Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great, 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 great show for you today because we have a special woman that's going to talk to you. Uh, that woman is, well, let's go ahead and talk about what the show is going to be first. Then what I'm going to start trying to do, people, is so that uh, the people who listen to it on podcasts know what the show is going to be about before we get into our back and forth. I want to start telling what you know what the show is going to be about. So please help me be disciplined. Please help me be disciplined. Title of the show today, Rebuild the Middle Class. Rachel Bittekoffer win on Winning 2022 and Stephanie Rule slams crybaby businesses. Not necessarily in that order, of course. Again, it is time to rebuild the middle class. Dr. Rachel Bittekoffer predicted 2018. She predicted 2020. And she is ready for 2022. Stephanie Rule admonishes crybaby businesses. That is an important piece I want you to hear from Stephanie Rule. Uh, well, folks, it's, it's a great 4th of July weekend. I'm spending the day with one of our great listeners, El Señor Norman Reynolds. In fact, he's outside right now helping build a fence. Both of us got up early this morning and... We started banging the nails and cutting the wood and doing all those things necessary to rebuild the back fence. Remember, folks, activists, don't make that kind of thing that can say, hey, guys, just come and build it for me. Anyhow, we're going to have a great show. Michael Rudnan, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Bridge MCP, leader of the PDR Posse. Deborah John from LA, welcome. E2247 says... Hello, relatives. Today's visit with the greatest ever visit for once. You are always our greatest visitors, all of you. Eric Hayes, hi all. Any news on the New York mayor's race? We won't have news for weeks on that, likely because of the way they're doing it. Ranked choice voting, which I think it is great. Of course, New York knows how to botch just about every single election. Botching an election isn't restricted to one particular party or not. Nepotism is a horrendous thing. Happy July 4th to everyone and pop the fireworks from one of our uh, right, uh, one of our conservative brothers, Eric Hayes. Love you, my man. Michael Rudnan says, Eric Hayes, I'll have an answer to that question by Monday. All right, folks. Uh, Peggy Lopez, welcome aboard. Uh, Bridge MCP says, thinking how to decide, discipline Egberto. You have to discipline me, guys. You know, you guys run the show here now. Al Franken podcast, 55 minutes, 627.21. George Pack, let's see, George Packer on how it is so bad in America and how it could get slightly better. No paywall. Eric Hayes replying to Bridge MCP. Let's see what else. I want to read uh, my brother. Uh, you almost said something that wasn't true. What did I almost say that wasn't true, brother? Let me know. Anyhow, uh, DHS from Michael Rudden. DHS Intel Bulletin warns of risk as attack anniversaries near it. The second time in two weeks that DHS has raised concerns about violence connected to conspiracy theories and domestic extremism. Own QAnon nutters believe Trump is coming back into office in August and they're planning domestic terrorist violence to further that insane agenda. It is insane. A group of 130 nations has agreed to global minimum tax on corporations. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen announced Thursday part of a broader agreement to overall international tax rules. Yellen did not announce the actual rate at which the GMT would be set, but the Biden administration 
push at least 15%. I think it should be way more than that. If corporations can be people, they should pay what people pay. Hey, f- folks, this is not a well-known thing, and I want to I back up into this a little bit. You are a human being. You have a social security number. You can be charged in court. All of that applies to you. Well, corporations are given that sort of a rule. They can't vote, however, but they are given that they are an in, at what we call an artificial entity. In America and in, 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 in industrialized countries, they give, they give corporations a soul. And how, what kind of soul do they give them? In, a, in effect, they're trying to abstract that corporate entity from, hum, from, from a human being. So therefore, if, if a company commits a crime, it isn't the human beings within that company that are charged, but the company that is charged and then has to pay whatever restitution, etc., etc., etc. What that does allow, and it, nobody tells you this reality, what that does allow is for a com- a corporation to benefit its shareholders, commit a crime to benefit those shareholders, and those shareholders, because they are abstracted from the corporation, because that corporation is its own living being, they go to jail, but of course you can't put a corporation in jail, so what that means is suing the corporation for all that it's worth, and if it's not worth anything, then the corporation just dissolves. Now, here's the deal. After all those people have pilfered you through the corporations, when you sue the corporation, there's nothing for you to get. Let me tell you, you don't get, a lot of people don't understand how business work, but business is designed for a select few to screw you. I, I am, you know, there's so much that we have not taught the individual American citizen that makes them do so much against their own interests not because they're bad people, not because they're foolish people, but because they just don't know. And it is in their best interest, according to the plutocracy, the oligarchy, the, 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 those that run things, not to let you know. The corporation is the abstraction to cheat. The corporation is the abstraction that allows others to enrich themselves from you with you having no recourse other than Suing a corporation that likely after it's been pilfered goes out of business. That's why Mitt Romney could go to, uh, uh, to Toys R Us, extra- I think it was Mitt Romney who ran the, uh, the, that fund that did that, extract all the wealth out of it by throwing debt on it, then going bankrupt. And those people who extracted all the wealth and turned it into debt, they go scot-free and the employees get fired. Their 401k gets pilfered. Rich people get created and everybody else loses. Legal because the corporation is a private entity. So all those people who pilfered you through the corporation continues to maintain the wealth they've made on you. Very few people understand how corporations are the abstraction layer to pilfer you. Very few people and, you know, I, I was a board member of Move to Amend, that organization that says we need to pass a constitutional amendment that says corporations are not people. 
corporations are comprised of people, and if corporations do bad, we can go after the people who ran the corporation into doing bad. Folks, we've got to learn these things. We have got to learn these things. Okay, Michael Rodden also says, Centrist Democrats rush to blunt Nina Turner's momentum in Ohio. Progressives and neoliberal establishment Democrats have such different priorities. I often wonder why the Democratic Party hasn't fractured in half. It needs, in the long run, it's going to have to do that. In the long run, it's going to have to fracture. Let me tell you something, folks. I've been trying to get Nina Turner on. I've interviewed Nina Turner three or four times. I don't know what's wrong with her media guy. I, 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 I sent her a direct message and, in Twitter, and she replied, and she said, Egberto, did you go to press at my press folk to talk to me? And I said, like, yeah, I went to your press folks, and, of course, I got absolutely nowhere, and I haven't heard back from her. But um, I would love to have her on. I would really love to really start pushing the whole heck out of Nina Turner because uh, Nina Turner speaks bluntly, and Nina Turner speaks for the common person, not just the Bernie people, but for the common person. I love that woman, but I just can't get her on again. I've, I've had her on three different times. I just can't get her on since she's been running for this Ohio position. I don't know if she, I don't know. I, I, I've gone to her press people. I've told her her press people have not answered. I haven't heard back from her after we had a brief discussion. All right, there's a new Delta variant that public health Experts are not sure uh, being asymptomatic spread by the vaccinated. So I have to ask, do people really think this way? Egberto, mind putting this on the screen? Let's see what it is, Rudnin. Uh, yeah, I can put that on the screen. That's not a problem. Uh, let's go ahead and put this on the screen for Brother Rudnin. He always comes up with some good stuff. For those of you that are listening on podcasts, I'm going to read it for... I'm going to read it for you. It says, wearing a mask even though I'm vaccinated lets people know I'm socially responsible. Wearing a mask must not be, wearing a mask must not be vaccinated. How socially irresponsible. That is, a, that's, that is something that I have, I, I take both sides there. I wear a mask. Today I went into a restaurant with a mask and, um, you know, I think a lot of people looked at me kind of crazy. No, I'm vaccinated, but I'm wanting to protect others because I don't want to inadvertently spread it in case I came along. Somebody else who had it, who infected me, and even though I'm vaccinated, can possibly still spread. I don't know. I'm just being responsible. It doesn't hurt me to wear a mask at all. Okay, let's continue here. Let's see. Eric Hayes says, I'll have an answer. No, no, that's between Michael and Eric. Uh, Hey, Eric, for baby, no fireworks. LOL. Scotus. From E2247, SCOTUS decision this week showed the U.S. current path of suppressing voters and yielded more power to most wealthy of our society are only worsening. Uh, below are two podcasts on these troubles. Uh, thank you, E2247, for giving us Deep State Radio, as well as Are We the Political Road to Political Apartheid? Look, let me tell you something, E2247. Let me tell you something, everybody that's listening to my voice right now. All of you, all of us can make a difference. They can put barriers up to stop the vote. But just like when you tell a kid they can't do something, they usually want to do it, I have a feeling that is what's going to happen. Everybody has a right to vote. They can't take your right away from vote. They can make it difficult. They can make you go through hoops. I'm a voter registrar. I register Texans to vote. I can go out there with my license and help other people register. 
if you're hearing my voice, whatever state you're in, do your part. Encourage others to vote. Encourage those people who they don't expect to vote to vote. And we can beat gerrymandering because gerrymandering is usually comprised of likely voter models. In other words, we are going to gerrymander a place based on the likely voter model. And why do they use the likely voter model? They use the likely voter model because there are not enough, and for, I'm talking for conservative gerrymandering, there are not enough conservatives to really swing the vote. So they have to go with the likely vote because if they went with the registered vote, they're, they're, they could not pack enough of the liberals and the progressives and the centered people into one district. They run out of room into one district. So they use likely voter models. If we encourage all people to vote, likely voter model starts to mimic registered voter model, which means conservatives cannot win based on the numbers. They cannot win. Remember that, okay? Okay, let's see what else we got here. Let's see what Eric A. said. You almost said something. I don't know what it is that I didn't say it true, so tell me what it is, please. Abbott and Ducey letter call for governors of other states to send additional law enforcement personnel and equipment to arrest immigrants who... Stupid. That is silly. 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 Oh, <laughs> I almost called Eric. Eric. Eric admonished me. Eric admonished me, Egberto, do not call me a right wing. You are insulting me. And you know what? I made sure not to do it because he's not. He's a conservative guy. He's a good guy. And we got to go get some coffee, dude. All right, let's see. Uh, Jessica Taylor. Hello, my dear friend Jessica. How are you doing? Uh, let's see who else is here, uh, and then we'll go to get into the show. Bridge MCP says, Egberta, how do you see our comments? Are they one on one screen? Yeah, I get, uh, for all the people who are commenting on Facebook under the sh- original show, meaning if you are commenting on Facebook at politicsdoneright.com slash, uh, or rather, facebook.com slash politicsdoneright, I will see those comments. If you comment on YouTube, I will see those comments. If you comment on Twitch, I'll see those comments. However, if you comment on another place on Facebook where the, where the program is shared, I likely won't see those. You have to be under on our Facebook page, meaning facebook.com slash politicsandright, on YouTube or on Twitch. Then I'll see those. Okay, let's see. Jessica Taylor, let's see who else we got here. Para ver, para ver. Carl Cox says, Mega corporations get away with everything. They screw the little guy in favor of the mega rich. Bankruptcy laws favor the mega rich as well as the corporations. Okay, how about Tina Turner? I love, T- uh, not Tina Turner, it's Nina Turner. I love Nina Turner. Tom C says, uh, Tina Turner would be amazing. Yep, uh, yep, 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 yep. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Bear with me as I scroll down. Gerrymandering, if one party goes to thirds majority, there's no way gerrymandering a victory for the minority side. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to allude to, uh, Michael Rodney. Gerrymandering can only work at a certain level. After it breaks, whenever the likely voter model starts to approach the registered voter model, because conserv- real conservatives does not make up a majority of the people if that breaks down gerrymandering. It's a mathematical certainty. All right, Jessica Taylor says, we all just have to be proactive with our voting. I'm going to hound my friends and family to make sure they are on top of their voting statuses and procedures. Yeah, I get what, there's a, some instructions that I gave a few shows ago, and this is what I say. 
six months before uh, the voting, make sure you're on the rolls. Generally, you you can only vote if you are registered, I think, 30 plus one days before the election. So what I tell people is, go register to vote right now. As If you're hearing this today, vote, register today. If you're hearing this tomorrow, register tomorrow. But after you've registered, every state generally has a website where you can check if you are registered to vote. Go ahead and check that site two months before it's time to vote, six weeks before it's time to vote. And each of those times, remember, register to vote. And one a couple days before your 30 days to the election, check again to make sure there's no screw-ups, purges, or anything. That way you are ensured that you will be able to vote. All right, scrolling down. Greg Palace, here's another way to defeat the vote suppression. Become a citizen. There are 9.03 million legal permanent residents in the USA. 9 million green cards holders eligible to vote if they take citizenship. That is true. I tell you what, when I, 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 when I, my green card, as soon as I was eligible to vote, or rather eligible for my uh, citizenship, I was first in line to get my citizenship because I always wanted to vote. Always wanted to vote. All right, let's go ahead and play our first interview, and that is with Rachel Bittercuffer, and then we'll take it on the other side. Thank you guys for being here. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. Berto Willis, your host. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Rachel Bittercuffer. This is the woman. First of all, we call her an election analyst, a political scientist, but you know, she also calls herself a strategist and a badass girl, okay? And you know what? Just like she was badass in 2018, we expect her to be badass in 2022. Well, we hope so. Anyhow, welcome to Politics and Right, Dr. Bittercuffer. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, and I'm coming from the truck. <laughs> well, you know what? Excellent. No problem. We, we'll take it however we can get it. Now, let me let me tell you something. First of all, congratulations and on that call in 2018. You were on point. A lot of people didn't believe what you were saying, but the numbers spoke to you, didn't it? They did. I mean, it's also because I, I spent the previous years of that uh, doing my PhD, studying this specific phenomenon. And so I understood that, you know, um, what's going on in a very complex and comprehensive way that only really expertise can allow. Now, let me ask you this. How do you bring the, uh, all the externalities into your calculation? Things like uh, getting people fearful about the other, getting people fearful about economics. How do you account for those things when you're doing your modeling? Well, so accounting for them in a model is, is a totally kind of, it's kind of a complex question, right? Um, so in 2018, the model that I used to anticipate two things, really like number one, the size of the surge, which at the time when I released was really, there was earnest conversation about whether Democrats could flip 23 seats and take control of the House. And I was telling people, no, my model says we're going to see this big turnout, co like coalitional turnout surge, which is independent leaners that vote uh, Democrats and Democrats, and that it's going to happen in these particular demographic hotspots, right? Places that are urban or suburban, college educated and or diverse. And so therefore, it wasn't so much that not, at the end of the day before the election, people were all in agreement of a large wave. Uh, what really is great about my, mar my, my targeting model is that it, it's 
understands the, the realignments that are going on in the electorate, anticipates them and can tell you where they are. Um, in terms of the actual formal like aspect of the model that measures what you asked about, which is this concept of negative partisanship, which is the fear and hate, uh, but a lot of it is fear that people feel towards the other party. On the right, that stuff is very palatable. I mean, that's why they're willing to dismantle democracy. They've been plugged now for 10 years straight with this propaganda that tells them we're the ones destroying democracy. We stole elections, right? I mean, the rhetoric is very intense. Uh, and on our side, it was response to Donald Trump. There is no intensity to our rhetoric, so I know it had to be all natural. And as you pointed out, and I'm sure you'll ask in your follow-up, there's a there are changes we need to make in our communication system while still honoring like the, the health of human psychology, um, but that will allow us to best defend this full frontal assault of democracy that we're now facing. That is uh, prescient. Let me let me just uh, ask you one thing about 2020. I was surprised about 2020. I wasn't as 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 much surprised as the ballooning on the Democratic side as I was on the Republican side, because had we kept the Hillary Clinton levels, Donald Trump would have won in a landslide. But instead, we, in my opinion, overperformed. I don't know if that was an overperformance with your model or not. How did your model see 2020 compared to 2018 and, and the performance on both sides? So I put out a forecast. I mean, the first time I talked about the forecast was in January of 2019 in a New York Times op-ed called Why Trump Will Lose in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. And what that was talking about was, look, I had written a book on 2016. Uh, I'm not well-known and I'm still not well-known and I'm locked out of the circle of election Twitter because I'm a woman. <laughs> right. So, um, so like people didn't see what I was talking about. What I was telling people in that New York Times and then in the, the model I debuted a few months later that formalized that forecast is that in the Midwest, like Trump won in, in basically a, a, an accident, right? I mean, it's really took a configuration of different things to come together. Most important, it took progressives who had been inspired by Bernie Sanders and comfortable after eight years of Obama not feeling a threat to you know cast protest ballots. I mean, in Wisconsin, it was six percent of the electorate that protested. Okay, so Trump is a was a plurality president, not just in the terms of the electoral college national popular vote. He's literally he was literally plurality because he would win Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Florida, all of these states by margins that were so narrow they could have been offset by less protest balloting alone, right? Uh, and in addition to that, you had had a um, lag in turnout of key groups, especially African-Americans, college students, young millennials, and, and at that time, the front end of the Zoomer generation. Those are things that caught us by surprise and I knew would not be aspects of 2020. So therefore, I was able to really quite accurately tell us not, not only that Trump would lose, but how specifically he would lose, not just with the three bellwether blue wall states, but also how they would change due to this turnout and also 
white college educated voters moving away from the GOP. Okay. So, um, but what did catch me about, and, and also I'll add this in 2020, that forecast was based on the assumption of rising turnout for the Republican base too. Uh, and I had learned that from the 2018 model, which did not anticipate that Republican turnout would go up over their 2014 midterm turnout and then got surprised on my Senate predictions because of it. So in 2020, I had absolutely, I was telling everybody who would listen to me, hey, the Republican turnout's going to be boss, okay? It is going up. Ours is going up, and in places where there's more of us, like, we'll be okay, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, but, like, if we don't offset this turnout surge by really stakes framing the election, making it a referendum on Trump and the Republican Party's pandemic management, their refusal to pass pandemic aid, right, because they were holding the HEROES Act hostage from July on, like, that's what we should frame this election about, and it should be a frame that's carried through the party all the way down to the state legislative elections that are happening, and because that didn't happen, and these are all critiques I made before the election, so they're not um, armchair or rearview mirror uh, critiques, uh, compounded with the fact that the Democrats suspended all of their in-person door knocking because of the pandemic, which is, of course, ethically what you should do, except for when you're in a war for the survival of democracy and the other side refuses to suspend their voter registration or door knocking things. So, you know, you go to war with the army you have, not the army you'd like to have. And you and we really we unilaterally disarmed ourselves. So when you look at why 2020 surprised me and every other forecast um, in terms of the down ballot, the Senate, pickups and the uh, house i mean we're supposed to gain seats in the house not lose them it's a function of our our poor poor electoral messaging strategy which is not something in the lens it's the root of our system and that's what strike pack is about fixing and that's where i was heading to next uh you're a college professor right that's on uh, a sabbatical right now well, I, I, that's a fake sabbatical. I was canceled by the, um, you know, the Virginia GOP uh, pushed out of my university position. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm one of the few canceled people from, you know, that you hear about. I mean, there's the right is much more apt to do canceling. Oh, so you mean they actually got you kicked out of the university? Yes, yes, they got my tenure. I mean, they. I mean, it's all not official, right? And I left because my tenure wasn't getting. They, they canceled the tenure conversion process mid process. Um, so, like you know, but yeah, that's what happened basically. So it's going to be really nice in 2021. Uh, in Virginia, it's, you know, we have this new governing trifecta and the Democrats passed some campaign finance laws here. One of them requires the face of the person who runs the organization uh, that paid for the ad to show up at the end of every Virginia ad and says, Strike Pack sponsoring this ad. So they're going to be looking at this mug, dude. So send me money because I want to make them eat it, dude. And you know what? It, 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 that, that's what I want to talk about now, because uh, you've, you've decided to, that you are going to be vocal. And you started a pack, strike pack. And there's oh. something in the strike pack that, that really sings to me because it's what I believe in. You state, democratic messaging has tended to focus on short-term complex policy issues rather than year-round messaging that appeals to voters' emotions and guts. Strike pack appeals to hearts and minds and imparts a sense of urgency and what is at stake if we do not win elections. Right now, that's a survival of our democracy itself. You, there's a lot more at strikepack.com, but that one paragraph is the essence of our electoral process going forward. And absent us 
listening to that, absent us effecting that, you're right. There ain't no democracy. Expand on that for me. Yeah, I'm happy to. And I'm going to kind of take it in an interesting direction, I, I think, for you, because here's the thing. Like, it's true that we're having we, we can't get uh, um, the filibuster overruled. Right. Because we've got we got to rely on a 50 vote that comes from West Virginia, which went for Trump for plus 35 points, because it's in my work and my research. I really strongly urge people to read just not because it's mine, but because it's really informative. It's calculated. Um, yes. It's and it tells you. You know, we've got this these long term coalitional realignments and white, especially white non college educated people and especially men have been moving to the right because the GOP has been hunting them through their own branding offensive right and so Joe Manchin is not electorally incentivized to do anything for us okay so you can't pressure him from that direction, and the point is to full circle it, we wouldn't need to if we just won when we're supposed to win, where we're supposed to win it. The idea that in Maine Senate, they did not make Susan Collins and Donald Trump BFFs and make sure that every voter in that state who is an independent, which is by by far the plurality part of the electorate, that Northeast pocket has this weird number of independents, they should have made it impossible for those people to walk into ballot booths and mark Biden Collins, okay? Because <laughs> that's like, you know, I mean, just rule number one. And, and somebody said to me, I swear to you, I, I will never say who, said to me, well, it's not our fault. Uh, Maine voters just like Susan Collins. What do you mean? Like, because you let them like her. Exactly. <laughs> That's the magic there. Because you let them like her. I love that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the point is, every problem we have right now with the Voting Rights Act, D.C. statehood, you know, um, you know, proper infrastructure with climate investment, all the sh stuff that's wrong guys i mean yes there's technical other elements but the thing that is happening is we don't win elections that we should be winning and we're not going to um, unless we build our own system it's basically a spacex that you know runs next to not nasa nasa will be there doing its thing but we need to do spacex if we want to win Absolutely. So now um, let me ask you now for, first of all, what can people do to help your new project? Because before I, before I ask you the next question, I want, I want folks to understand that there are not enough, there are not enough think tanks and packs out there that are just sticking to that message as you are with Strike Pack. I, I hear too much flubbering. I hear too much uh, meandering, not enough to the throat. Talk about it. I mean, there are a couple of places that are doing advertising that's more in the spirit of what I recommend, but there is literally no other place where this strategy is, is being, um, you know, amassed and put in, into place. And, and people can see kind of elements of it if they go onto our YouTube, uh, they'll see um, many sample ads. Each ad is performing a strategic change for the party in its own right. Um, and, you know, what I will tell people is there's never been a super PAC built by a former political scientist who didn't even finish her degree into 2015. I, I don't come from money. I don't come from a rich network, although I, you know, my forecasting work has given me a pretty good media 
um, format. I'm not from the electioneering world, right? So this super PAC really is a labor of love. Uh, the team that's been working with me have been working predominantly for free. I'm, I'm barely paid enough to keep my bills paid. And, and it's because we know and we understand that demo with democracy on the line in these next ballots, 2021 in Virginia and now California because they're hunting Gavin Newsom, um, and then 2022 everywhere, like this is the line. There is no other second option after 2022. And we need, we cannot rely on a party that failed to fix anything after 2016 in terms of its messaging and strategic electioneering approach. We cannot do that. So we need to just make sure our own insurance policy. You know, um, your work speak for itself. Your success in forecasting against all the big dudes or the good old boys over the years speak for itself. And I mean, I, I, I like, you know, I, in, in the last book that I wrote, I said, America is not a meritocracy because had it been a meritocracy, those with the, those with the chops would have frayed to the top. Uh, so often we don't see that. Anyhow, um, before we close here, I usually ask this last question. What would you have liked me to ask you that I hadn't? You know, I think you've done a pretty excellent job talking about how critical and how different this organization is, right? Um, it is, to me, like the wingman that we must have. And, and to be honest with you, if like my goal was to just get on radio programs and have people know who Rachel Bittekoffer is and tell me I'm smart all the time, I'd be well on my way, okay? But that's not my goal. My goal is to win stuff everything that we can possibly win and unfortunately guys i mean it costs fifteen thousand dollars just to incorporate a, a super PAC, right so it's it's not cheap if we want to defend democracy we need to line up everybody and make some sacrifice and that's just the cold hard truth of it because i don't want to make ads on twitter that that people like i want to run them in a very sophisticated digitally targeted a micro target plan that no one has ever deployed before and i need a lot of money to do it Dr. Rachel Bidekoffer, it's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. Please keep up the good work. We need this kind of work more so than ever. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Let me just say one more thing. If you have no money to donate, which is totally fine, you talking about Strike Pack, tweeting about us on your social networks, telling your friends, your allies, other people that you know are terrified, all of that is just as critical as dollar donations. Thank you so kind of, doctor. Thank you so much. So, folks, uh, when you look, I we, we have to try to tell folks that um, the other side invests a hell of a lot into lying to you. The other side invests a lot into cheating you, into taking away your worth, taking away your money, taking away. I mean, because it, it is just that their way of being. And this is not me trying to be critical. That's just what they do. There's a pathology there. And all the people on the right or the conservatives, that's not who they really are. But again, indoctrination and lies can metastasize just about anywhere. We need to increase the voice of people like Rachel Biddecoffer. So when she asks you to go to her, uh, her strike pack, please go to her strike pack and help that out as well. She's doing damn good work. In her case, knowing the data, understanding how people's minds have been made up and how they vote based on how they've been indoctrinated, she can make a difference. So please go to her strike pack if you have the wherewithal 
and give her a helping hand to allow us to win for America. It's not winning for us individually. It is winning for America. And by the way, she didn't ask me to do this. I went, I, I seeked her out because I saw her on, I think it was on CNN. She was talking about the election. I think it was election 2022. And I said, you know, I remember how good she was in 2018 and 2020. I want to talk to her. So I contacted her and said, hey, can we talk? And she said, oh, sure, let's, let's talk. And then, uh, you know, I hadn't, to truth, I hadn't known that she had strike pack. I think it's called strike pack. Didn't know that she had strike pack. And when I found out that she had strike pack, it's like, I'm going to also put that in my newsletter. We need people to start supporting organizations like, um, like what she's working on because it is so important. If we want to get our message out, if we want to ensure that we ultimately, and you know, I'm not talking about winning for the sake of winning. I'm talking about winning for the good of everybody. Check her out on Twitter, which is Rachel Bittekoffer on Twitter. It's and all or or check out her, her site, strikepack.com. Strikepack.com. And let's make sure and support us. And by the way, support politics done right too. Um, if you are on YouTube right now, click that join button. Please become a supporter. We need supporters. We need to be able to continue doing this and and also highlighting people like Rachel Bittekoffer and uh, all those that are doing positive work, positive work for our society. If you don't, if you're not on YouTube, you can support us by going to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Uh, please consider getting our cup that goes along with our PDR Posse designed by our one and only Bridge MCP. Bridge designed the cup, and we started to sell the cup to help us do what we do. So please go ahead, and the link I just placed into Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere else. Um, you can also support us at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We need 1,000 patrons. We're just at about 128, 130, somewhere around there. So please consider supporting us at Patreon. We're only at about 10% of our goal. Please go ahead, politicsandright.com slash patron, politicsandright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Of course, you can always support us on PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. You can either give us a one-time contribution or make it a monthly contribution. Uh, likewise, you can shop at our store, politicsandright.com slash store, politicsandright.com slash store. And of course, I forgot to put all those beautiful people who purchased our cups there they are on the screen. And don't forget, you can get any one of our books either at our store or you can get it at Amazon. And how do you get it on Amazon? You just go to politicsandright.com slash books, politicsandright.com slash books. We have a lot of books. Well, for the, in the political realm, we have three books. All of each one complement the other. So consider getting our books, please. That's, it's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. Remember, for us to win this thing, it's not just progressives or just centrists. It has to be all of us. So you have to understand how to talk to everybody. I try to, I try to help with that in how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbor. My first book was, as I see it, Class Warfare. They only resort to right-wing doom. An easy way, easy to understand, way to understand our economy. And, and, and make you really understand what it's all about. Please consider doing that. It really, really, really helps. And the last book is one that I just came out with, which is How to Make America Utopia. Take away 
the economy from those who rigged it. And we continue talking about those things. Peggy Lopez said, I just ordered a pink sweatshirt for next fall and winter to keep warm during the balloon business at the local farmer. Pink Petals Balloon. Thank you so kindly for supporting us, Peggy Lopez. Love you, love you, love you all. Okay, you know, um, a lot of small businesses complain about, oh, if the minimum wage goes up, they can't afford to pay their people. Or they're complaining that the government is giving too many people too much money. Through that extra $300 that's, that's due to expire in September, stop giving it to those people because we need those people to come and work for us. And if you are giving them what's equivalent to a minimum living wage, we can't afford them. We can't afford them to work for less than minimum wage. And you have to ask yourself, um, is that fair? Is that fair? It's not fair, of course. And, you know, Stephanie Rule said something that you've heard me say several times. And let, let me give a good example using myself as an example. I had a software company, and uh, one of the reasons, uh, you know, and it was a very successful software company. Boeing used my stuff. NASA, everybody uses my stuff. But I, I, gave, I told you guys a story of the reason why I went into activism. It was my passion. It was something that I wanted to do. It was altruistic, but not completely altruistic at the time my website could take care of me after I got rid of all my expenses. Of course, uh, when Facebook and YouTube cut my the advertising by 90%, we lost 90% of our income. Henceforth, we start doing things like... Um, what, how we try to raise money now via our subscriptions to YouTube and subscriptions to Patreon. But um, people always ask things like, why don't you hire somebody to do X, Y, and Z for you or whatever? And the reason why is I preach all of the times, living wage, minimum wage, and most jobs shouldn't even be minimum wage. And right now, I can't afford to pay somebody for the level of work that I want them to earn. There are a lot of people who say, I want to volunteer, and I do take some volunteering. I mean, our, a lot of people volunteer. We, we've had uh, uh, Bridge MCP volunteer. She designed the cups uh, for nothing. She helps out by answering stuff in the, in, the, in the room, all that kind of stuff. She volunteers to do that. Norman is helping me fix a fence right now that is completely out of whack. He's also did the voiceover for one of my books. We have... Uh, we have a lot of supporters here. Roberto Lewis has purchased everything, not because he needed it, just because he wanted to show support for politics done right. And we have uh, the um, Bruce Pollard, who was the editor of my latest book. I mean, so we have a lot of people that volunteer to do things like that. But when it comes to talking about hiring people, I, I am not viable to hire people for what they're worth right now. So I don't. It's irresponsible for me to ask somebody to do a job that they can go out, that they should be able to go out there and make several thousand dollars doing and say, okay, I'll give you 15 bucks an hour or even 12 bucks an hour because you're looking for a job. Now, I think it is unethical. I think it is immoral. So I work my 16 hours a day, seven days a week because until I can break that cycle, I don't have a viable business to be able to hire others. But most, a lot of small businesses don't think that way. They think that what they ought to do is they have to live good. They'll, 
they'll make most of the money and then give the pittance to those who work for them, those who are doing very important work. It is immoral. And that's why I don't do it. There are a lot of, I mean, a couple of college folks says, I'll, I'll come and do this for you. I can't get a job elsewhere right now. I'll do it for you. Just, just give me $12. No, it's not that. I'll rather donate some money to you and, and, and then later on you may surprise me and do something for me. But not that I'm giving you a payment for that. That's not a viable business. Now listen to Stephanie Rule. I think it is wonderful because what Stephanie Rule says is what every small business must learn. Not because you have a business mean you are entitled to employees working as your slaves. And I say it that way because that if you want to pay somebody for what they're not for what they're worth and you're not willing to do so, there is a problem. Check out Stephanie Rule. Some powerful words there from the president saying that America is born out of an idea and thanking those who made the choice to come to this country enriching it. Uh, I do want to go back to our panel that has been patiently waiting for us and bring back in Stephanie Rule. Stephanie, you did hear the president there talk a little bit about the road to economic recovery, build back better, his phrase, obviously, uh, from the campaign trail, talking about the importance of immigration. But I do want to play for you something he said earlier today when he was uh, talking about one of the key impacts the pandemic has had on the economy. Take a listen to this. Instead of workers competing with each other for jobs that are scarce, employers are competing with each other to attract workers. That kind of competition in the market doesn't just give workers more ability to earn higher wages. It also gives them the power to demand to be treated with dignity and respect in the workplace. More jobs, better wages. That's a good combination. So the president, Stephanie, called this flipping the script. What does this dynamic mean for the economy in the long term? Listen, the president isn't wrong. For years and years, workers have not had any power. Employers had all the power. Now that's switching. And while we do hear from lots of businesses that say, I can't afford to pay my workers more, let's be honest, Eamon. If your business model is such that you cannot pay your employees a living wage, then newsflash, it is not a valued functioning business model, and it's time to change that. And especially as you look at Fortune 500 companies, big businesses, they've had an extraordinary year. Look at the stock market. The gains shouldn't only be gotten by executives and shareholders. It's time to actually give back to workers. Trickle-down economics doesn't work, but we're in a scenario right now where if you lift the bottom, it could potentially mean everyone rises. Now, are there inflation concerns? Without a doubt. Things are getting more and more expensive. We know the Fed is concerned about it. The Treasury Department is concerned about it. They do have more levers to curb this. And they're not going to do anything major just yet because it is transitory, right? We just got back to everything being reopened. Imagine, it's like every business is trying to hire at the exact same time. So give it a few months. Wait until things reopen before you get completely panicked that inflation is taking everything over. For the time being, we're on a very good path. More money for workers, that's good news. She's absolutely right. I mean, if, if you have a business and you expect for your business to survive because you can take advantage of somebody else, you have not got a viable business. Uh, work it yourself. 
Work it yourself until you are able to pay somebody else what it's worth to help you. Breach MCP says my house sale fell through. Going to Texas to live with Egberto and help his show. Hey, hey, hey. You know I love you, Breach, and you are you are adorable and one of our most ardent supporters. You are always welcome, my dear beautiful lady. But let me tell you something better. This is a seller's market, Breach. This is a seller's market, not because one home sale fell through means anything. Because, like I said, it is a seller's market. If I had somewhere else to live, I would sell this baby. And Actually, the only reason I'm staying in this house is my wife would kill me. The kind of life that I want to live is to get... In fact, I'm going to do a GoFundMe in a year or two for this. I want to get a van. That says politics done right on it, and then it, the the bottom line is gonna be the there it, it's gonna have the, my three books on it because it's the growth. How to uh, as I see it, it's worth it, and how to make America utopia, and go around into Appalachia, go into places nobody expect to see somebody looking like me, giving that big hug, and saying, "Hey guys, hey guys." We need to change this country from the bottom up. We are the ones in power. Now, let's go back to talk a little bit about, um, about the, this market that everybody's talking about. It's a, it, look, Biden is right. Uh, it's not that we, we don't have employees. It's employees are starting to exert their pressure, right? Employees are starting to say, I'd rather starve than work and starve. Hear that out. I rather just starve than work and starve. Because that is that is a kind of economy that we are in right now. Okay? That is what we're in right now. So uh, it's not that they're that the employees have a have gained any new power. It's that they have gained new insight. They have gained new enlightenment. And if they remember, uh, the economy is not a complete scientific thing. An economy is based on emotions. An economy is based on math. An economy is based on the con- the conglomeration of things that are exact, meaning math, and also things that are unexact, meaning emotions. In other words, if I feel good and I want to buy a whole lot of sweet stuff, then sweet industries are going to do fine. That's not as economic certainty. That's just a you-know-what. So um, I'm glad that the employer, I'm glad that employees or would-be employees are starting to say, you can't make it without us. So if you want us, pay us more. And then we'll work for you. And if you can't afford to pay us more, you work harder to get your business afloat. It is that simple. It is that simple. Anyway, let's see what else people are saying here. Um, uh, let's see. But he said, yes, true. Inspection was good. Shook hands and then bam. Not to worry. That happens all the time. Egberto, live out of your car first. Then get a van, man. Live out of the car. I Look, I would do it. My wife wouldn't. I don't even think I could get my wife to live in an RV for nine months in a year. Because my goal is this. I'd like to go nine months Driving around in a van or RV or actually a nice, it's one of those in between, right? 
go around the country just talking a positive message, a positive message of unity. And I want to go to places where I'm not singing to the choir. I want to go to places where people are going to call me all kinds of names until I sit back and let them come and talk to me. And by the end of the day, they're like, oh, damn, you know, you mean, you know, I've seen that happen. Like I've, I've told you guys about being in the middle of Tea Party Alley and leaving there as friends with folks, all that good stuff. I like doing that, right? Because that is how we, 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 we change. So I want to do that like nine months a year and then go to Panama, get me a little place in Panama, up in Boquete or the mountains in Panama where it's cooler, and chill out for three months. I don't know, you know. I don't know. I'll let you know when I start the GoFundMe for the van. What I want to do is I want to map it out perfectly. I want to make sure that my daughter is completely recovered from her stroke and is doing in her medical career just fine. I want to make sure that, you know, that that all is well. And then I'll do that. And the the RV has to be equipped with all kind of cellular stuff because I would be doing the show from all these different places that I go, and I'll probably do a lot of them live with people right there. You know, that is a, that's a dream of mine, a, a, a step that says the way that we're going to unite a country is actually doing it for real, not just talking about it, but doing it and not talking to the choir. That kind of stuff is what I want to do. And you know, you're going to always have your naysayers, but who cares, right? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? It's always moving forward. It's always moving forward. It's always moving forward. We're coming up close to the end of the show. It's uh, 4th of July weekend, so I'm going to kind of finish up a little early. And as soon as I leave here, I'm going to get out of my jacket, my I Support Independent Media t-shirt, put on a white t-shirt because it's hot out here in Texas, and go help Norman finish up this fence. I think we have about two or three more days of work. To get this all completed, we're cutting wood and all that kind of stuff. For those of you that are listening on podcasts, yeah, you hear some of this stuff. Let me salute all my friends. Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Para ver quien más está. Lisa Wright, how are you doing, my dear Lisa? Uh, Michael Rodden, of course, my regular. Uh, let's see who else is here. Who else is here? Para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver. Tenemos a la señora López. Peggy Lopez, ¿cómo estás, mi amiga? I hope you speak Spanish. Not because your name Lopez means that you speak Spanish. I just like to work on my Spanish since, you know, I don't get to do it too often. Lisa Wright, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else. About Catherine Waston, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who is, yeah, Catherine Waston. E2247, love you, brother. Uh, let's see who else we got. Who else? If I skip you, just drop me a line down below so that I can salute you. Uh, let's see quién más está aquí. Uh, I'm scrolling so fast. Uh, para ver. Daniel Ledo, welcome, Daniel. How you doing, brother? Tom C., welcome aboard. I think I saluted Ever- Eric Hayes already. Uh, who else is here? Jessica Taylor, welcome aboard. Uh, quién más está? Carl Cox, welcome aboard. Okay, I think I got everybody so far that I've seen so far. If I miss you, drop a line to the bottom if you want me to throw your name out there. You know I love you all and want to call your name out. Okay, I'm going to close this baby down. Please remember, folks, support us. Please go to join here on YouTube. Click the join button here on YouTube or go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube 
or go to politicsunright.com slash patron. Remember, we need a 1,000 a patrons. We only have 128, 130. I don't quite know what number it's at right now. And let's see what else we need. Uh, you can support us on PayPal as well, politicsunright.com slash PayPal, politicsunright.com slash PayPal, or get all our books at politicsunright.com slash books. So look, guys, enjoy the 4th of July. Let me give a little notice about the country first. I criticize a lot of what happens in this country. Yes, happy Independence Day, okay? But what makes this country exceptional is not what most of the people who claim this country is exceptional is all about. This country is not exceptional because it has the best medical care, because it does not. This country is not exceptional because it has the best military, because having the best military doesn't mean much. This country is not exceptional because it has the best economic system, because it has an economic system that really hurts a lot of people. In fact, most people. It has an economic system that transfers the wealth to the few. That's the design of the economic system that we have here. This country is not exceptional because of what it has done to the natives. It's not exceptional because of what it has done to the slaves. It's not exceptional because of what it has done to the Chinese. This country is exceptional because I am allowed to come on air and say those things. Eric Hayes is right. For the most part, we are free. And that is what makes this country exceptional. If we want to make this country exceptional, great, and honorable, we will codify the things that most of us stand for here, not only into law, but into actuality. So again, understand whenever you hear the uh, whenever you hear those blowhards talk about the country being exceptional about it in a different context. I've given you a litany of bad things in this country. But the one thing in this country that makes it exceptional is above and beyond all those things. I can still come on air and I can say these things that I say right now with the intent of effecting change. And if I can convince enough of you and if you can convince enough people, we can actually have the changes within all those systems that I've spoken about and then make America utopia. I want you to remember that. And when you listen to people who speak negatively about the United States who are American citizens, don't you ever... Don't you ever forget, don't you ever forget the realities. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! 
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.